Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. And we are here this week to preview the Russian Grand Prix, which Valtteri Bottas will win. Fact. (laughs) (laughs) I am your host this week, Tom, and I'm joined by the world's biggest Valtteri Bottas fan, Chris. Hi. And just Stu. Stu just likes everyone. (laughs) Just Stu. And and, and natural existing entity, Stu. Yeah. (laughs) So... Um, we will talk about how Valtteri Bottas is going to win the Russian Grand Prix this weekend eventually, <laughs> but we have some little bits of news. Basically, that there is no news. Um, <laughs> the news is that there is no news about the things we will talk about. Um, but I will <laughs> let Chris do that because that's Chris's remit. Quiet week. Um, we've <laughs> we've sort of got some calendar news. We love a bit of calendar news. Um, there's nothing official on next year's calendar yet, which in itself is weird because normally by this time in the year we know what's going to be happening the next year. There is apparently a sort of first draft going around behind the scenes, though, which contains 24 races, which is a lot of races. It's too many. I said this it, last year. It's simply when they too many calendar. races. I mean, I'll is say it, it again. It's 22 <laughs> this year we've ended up with, isn't it? Because it was originally 23, yeah, it's now 22. Yeah. One of them has not been me. And I'd say replaced. 22 is probably one or two too many. But yes, apparently 24 on the first draft next year. Um... And if it's to be believed, there's quite a lot of changes in the first half. Um, starting end of March in Bahrain, which makes sense because they're probably going to be testing in Bahrain again. Start the season, that makes a lot of sense. Um, then Saudi Arabia, penciling is the second race apparently, which means there'll only be 16 weeks between the first and second race at that circuit. It's like bookending a season the wrong yeah. way around. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but apparently the organizers there have been pushing to have an earlier date rather than an end. I think I think from what I've read, it sounds like they wanted to have the season closer and F1 slash Abu Dhabi said no. So they went, all right, we'll, we'll go at the start instead then. <laughs> so that's where they've ended up. And they didn't even get the opener. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Australia and China double header in April. Be nice to go back to both of those circuits, assuming they happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the first Miami Grand Prix, eighth of May, uh, fifth race of the season. That's a. There's got to be an asterisk next to that one. The amount of times they've tried to do a I've, Grand Prix there, and I've seen a picture in recent days of the, the 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 telltale signs of a building site beginning to look like a racetrack. So mm. things yeah, are happening there. It's pretty close. Like it's officially going to happen, isn't it? Well, yeah, they I did mean, do a big announcement, a big thing yeah. for it, didn't they? But yeah, um, it sort of went a bit quiet after that. Normally, there's like a by now we've had like a sort of fake lap around. A, no, not a fake lap, sorry. A what they call it? Like a sim, a sim lap around. Yeah, there. it's not fake. It's a sim. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't had any of that for that circuit. From we had I one recall. absolutely ages ago, but then I think they've changed the track design since then. So, yeah. mm. what I want to see, and this is off topic slightly. Is a hey, sim lap if there's every week for it, it's this week. Is <laughs> a sim lap of the new Abu Dhabi because they've made changes to Abu Dhabi for this season. Yeah. I Normally, the people who make tracks for sims are pretty speedy at these things. So I imagine if it doesn't already exist on YouTube, it will extremely soon. Mm. Anyway, that was off. That, that was way off and not that interesting. So that's true. Then Spain, Monaco, double header. Uh, then Weirdly, there's like a couple of week gap between Monaco and Baku, but then Canada is only a week after Baku, which seems bizarre. Like, surely you want to leave a big gap God, before you've a, got to get across the Atlantic. That's such that's a long way. That's a long way to go between yeah. those two. It's it's weird as well because obviously the Canadian race is normally the one that's 
early May before we were basically in that Miami slot. Yeah, exactly. So minute. why not? That's normally where we're in Montreal. Why not leave it next to Miami? At least you're on the right continent. Like another slot a little yeah. way away, but at least you're on the right continent. Yeah. Slightly bizarre. Um, Weather? Maybe. Yeah, but the the weather's i mean yeah we've had some downpours in canada before but it's never been that bad i mean i don't know there was one there was the button year when he yeah uh, won it but even then the red flags to... weren't really because of the weather were they well i guess there were crashes that happened because it was tricky conditions but it's not like it was rained off per se i don't know i know we've, mm. we've already had one episode where we talked about races being yeah. rained off so this I mean, season let's not go down that road again speaking of china in april sounds pretty early in the year for that track because we've seen some some big it, old rainstorms in china it in years used to be by. quite in early in the calendar though didn't it the last time it was on i suppose because so, we, yeah. used, we used to go to like australia and then we were hitting china and malaysia before we then went to yeah that's a good point Canada, um, if yeah. I remember right, yeah, they, like, they, were, they were all in that stretch before we went to the um, European, the first yes. stretch of the European leg. No, so maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. It's around the same sort of time where we we did see rain, but nothing too. I I can't remember any recent Chinese GPs that were completely washed out. But no, uh, I mean, it doesn't mean they didn't happen. No, the uh, yeah. the the, 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 lit, the most recent one that I remember from that part of the world is Malaysia. Yeah. When they yeah. won at half points that year. Yeah, 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 2009, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, after that is the first triple header, Britain, Austria, France. Although there's rumblings that the French Grand Prix is a little under threat um, and that Imola might be lined up to replace yeah. it if contract negotiations yeah. don't pan have, out. Have Australia and Great Britain... And the USA colluded and made a, <laughs> another race to replace them. Back. Political comedy from Stu there. <laughs> that's right. That's what I bring to the table. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I think that's maybe a combination of poor races and just kind of poor infrastructure around the place potentially. But we'll see. Um, Hungary as usual, last race before the summer break, and then the second half of the season is pretty much as you'd expect, other than. Um, Saudi Arabia being moved, as we've said. Um, so there's a, a, the second triple header is Belgium, Netherlands, um, Italy. Monza, obviously not, uh, Imola. And then a week or two's gap, then a third triple header of Russia, Singapore, Japan, which is a lot. Um, triple headers are hard, man. Like, yeah. triple headers are so hard really that tough. they they give you stuff for... If you work a, a, triple shed, a triple header at the moment, they appreciate you working for them and they give you stuff for working for them, like presents. <laughs> That's how hard <laughs> triple headers are. And if they keep doing triple headers the way they're doing them, triple headers are going to become normal. Yeah. I, I really think like the way they're going with it, they're trying to make it you know, a race a week. Yeah, so... It's just... Crazy, crazy, crazy. So it finishes up with um, second USA race, Circuit of the Americas, Mexico, Brazil, and then Abu Dhabi on the 20th of November. So not creeping into December, at least this time. But yeah, that makes three triple headers and four double headers in a 24-race season. And that's mm. just, that's so much to ask of the people working, like especially the mechanics who've got to travel around the world, working, you know, like those triple headers, they're going to be working most days of those being yes. well, not only that it's the it's the cost cap as well the expense of getting mm-hmm. all those stuff around the world and all those bits and bobs around the world and going to that many pieces there's going to have to be some leeway in the pot in the 
I was going to say podcast then in the in the cost cap for <laughs> for this, this level of yeah for this level of like input from from everyone. Like it's, it's, I mean, I love Formula One. I love watching races, but. Bernie Eccleston said this, and it's rare that I agree with Bernie Eccleston. <laughs> wow. Bernie Eccleston said that Formula One, there shouldn't be too many races because as soon as you got loads and loads and loads of races, and I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> you devalue mm-hmm. what is supposed to be a Grand Prix, a big race, yeah. a, a special event. Yeah. And, you know, back in the day, you know, there was a time when you'd only have, what, 16 races in a season? Yeah. And yeah. at that point, like, if you saw a Grand Prix, that was like, that there was there was a time when seeing a Grand Prix would have been a, like a once in a lifetime thing, people. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you don't make much money if people only come once in a lifetime. So you do need to have like a, a lot of races to make it financially sustainable, I guess. But I don't know. I think do do we think it's devalues a bit having that many? I think it does. I think I agree with that. Um, I think from a sporting point of view as well. Like if you've only got a 16, 17, 18 race season. You've got to be so consistent being with the chance of the title. Whereas this year, Verstappen and Hamilton have both had probably more retirements this year than particularly Hamilton than he has in in years and years. And yet they're still at the top Mm. kind of thing. And, you know, I I know there's a number of reasons for that, but it's just just too many. Um, Jeff in the chat just said 20 maximum a year. And I I completely agree with that. and yeah, he also says some kind of rotation. I completely agree with that as well. I'd much well, rather have, like, I love having all these tracks. You know, going to new tracks is always fun. There's a lot of classic tracks. It's been nice to have older ones back. Let's have 20 races a year and we'll rotate them in and out year on year. Yeah, I mean, it, in theory, what you could actually do, and this, this would be a, a fun way to do it, I think, to a degree, would be in the same way that, like, what happens is every four years... The World Cup has a bidding process for like countries that want to host the World Cup, and they come from different like federations. So you've got mm-hmm. like UEFA and CONCAF and so on and so on. It would be good if you actually had a process where like you'd say there are seven European race slots on the current calendar. There are four Central American like or North American slots on the calendar, and you, you basically designate a certain number of slots to continents and circuits within those continents that are the right grade essentially have to bid for their their right to host an event and put forward a case of well the racing is good here we have these facilities blah 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 like actually force force like the best out of whatever we get essentially yeah um and speaking of continents i think that the fact that we've got a 24 race calendar there and still not a race in africa i think is a problem like it is yeah. screaming out for a race at Kyle Army. Like, I know it's only grade two and it needs a bit of work, but I think I, I, that it feels like there's kind of enough sort of pressure for them to try and make that happen in the coming years, I imagine. Because, you know, th- there is an argument that I semi-agree with that if you want to be a proper world championship, you need to be existing all the way around the world. And it's yeah. not really been that for a while. I mean, it's kind of always been my, as much as I love the American sports, it's kind of always been my gripe with baseball calling it the World yeah. Series and the Super Bowl champions being champions of the world. It's yeah. like, well, it's kind of not, is it? Like, I love the sports and yeah. I love watching them and I love the whole spectacle. But to call yourself world champions when you've not taken on the entire world mm-hmm. is yeah, that's a little... dumb. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't <laughs> call, like, you know, a boxer who'd beaten... 
just 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 Britain. national just components yeah. in Great Britain. Yeah, exactly. The world champion. Like that seems yeah. bizarre, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. I agree. It should be if it's a world championship, it should I mean, go to every continent. I, I, that I should guess... be like a that should be a statute. That should be if mm, you yeah. are a world championship. You need to race in ev- on every single continent until there's an Antarctic Grand, Grand Prix. Not, world. not interested. <laughs> <laughs> that would be imagine like oh my god, that'd be some that'd be a real setup challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, another interesting point. Uh, Touchdown sixty four in the chat said he's what's the chance they're booking them up, expecting some to be cancelled. That way they're still under with at least twenty, and I think there probably is something to that. Um, yeah, yeah, potentially. I, I would hope by next year international travel and stuff is going to be much more viable than it has been the last couple of years but yeah. you never know but, I mean, it doesn't hurt look I, i'm never going to criticize them for planning ahead and, and no and you know putting steps in place mm. to make sure they can have at least at least as many races as this year if that's what they're aiming for then it you know the professional as uh, no matter what how many races i think they should or shouldn't have like if they're saying they're going to do a certain number of races they'll have a exact target of we want to do at least this many and mm. yeah to fill the camp calendar with more races than what you want the minimum of then yeah. obviously there's there's real logic there so mm-hmm. that makes sense like i welcome like formula one being sensible about their planning it, it kind of feels these days as well like um istanbul park is just always there waiting in the wings like oh oh we'll do a race oh you got calendar spot these <laughs> we'll do a race yeah <laughs> which i'm totally okay with i'm always happy to go back to istanbul park <laughs> Uh, a few of the little notes of interest that are knocking around with this. Um, Monaco apparently is going to change to the standard Friday, Saturday, Sunday format. Um, they've done Thursday, Saturday, Sunday for since forever, I think. Um, a long time. Yeah, well, it, it used to fall on what was a holiday in Monaco. Yeah. Didn't it? And that was the reason is to, it, or at least it was part of it, is that the Friday was a holiday there. Um, whether it is that that's preempting that it might be on a slightly different date in date in the calendar now yeah i don't think it is but yeah apparently they're going to change that um it it sounds from sort of what again what i've seen running online it sounds kind of like liberty aren't so keen on monaco having such a super special deal compared to other circuits like there's also apparently discussions going on about the whole Monaco produce the broadcast themselves thing and Liberty <laughs> yeah. want to take that away from the contract. So it sounds like there's some, some tricky negotiations going on over the Monaco Come on, I love seeing Lance Stroll go through a chicane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, at the end of the day, like, you know, it doesn't really matter who's... But there's plenty of gaffes happen over a season in Formula 1 where, you know, the wrong drivers being filmed or the wrong things being shown. Just last race, there were a couple of things oh, that yeah. I noticed that were like, why are you showing us that when you've got this whole other thing going on? Um, it, that is going to be difficult for them to have a race in Monaco and not basically do what the Auto Club de Monaco, or whatever they're called, say. Mm. Mm. Oh, totally. Because the problem with Monaco as well is a lot of the places you'd want to put a camera are going to be private property, aren't they? So you're going to have to... It's not just a case of you turn up at a circuit. It's like you're going to have to go to like hotels and then like you know yeah like apartments and bars and stuff and like can we stick a camera on your roof kind of thing so yeah but they're, they're, i'm sure there's deals that are all all sort of set oh i'm sure in there advance are yeah. and like they, they yeah they, they, that's kind of like because they've done it been doing it for so long there must be something and the cameras have barely changed in years and years yeah. of that circuit as well that's one of the cool things about that circuit and 
that's why I love watching like old footage from there mm. because all the cameras are in the same spots. Yeah. So like when you look at say the um, the hairpin, that ca- there's always that really really yeah. high up camera looking down yeah. on the hairpin, which I believe is in a hotel actually. Yeah, probably, possibly. Who I don't, I don't know that. But um, it's great how it's it just seems to be mounted in the same spot every yeah. year, and you yeah. can decades. go through decades and decades and decades of footage and see the cars going around there in all the yeah. different eras. And see, there's all if you go on um, Getty or whatever, there's always photos of them from that point. If you search the mm. Lowe's hairpin on yeah. Getty, you'll see so many photos from that particular position. I just find that a really cool thing, like that you can. It's almost like a time machine that like you can go back in time. Yeah. There must be like certain properties in Monaco that like if you buy them, it's like it's your property. But also whenever we're putting a race on, you've got to let a couple of camera guys in to set up and run some yeah. cables through. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in less exciting news, Catalonia has reportedly signed a five-year deal to oh. keep hosting the Spanish Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's nice to go to. I'm is sure it is. It's a lovely circuit to visit and be physically there for, but I tell you what, it's, if, it's never as interesting when you're watching it at home. I will admit. If, if they are, are the car, is it the cars that are the problem though? Is it the car, should no. we reserve judgment well, until next season? I mean, sports cars race quite well there generally. From what I what like, I watch the Porsche Super Cup a lot of the time. Is I mean, it's a lot easier now as well because. The F1 TV kind of fully covers it. Uh, sorry, not F1 TV. Sky F1 here yeah. kind of fully cover the Porsche Super Cup now. There's a bit of hit and miss in the past, but like I've always enjoyed watching those around Barcelona. And I, I don't and know, to be it's... fair, this season we had a pretty decent race at Barcelona as well. Yeah, if I remember rightly. Yes, it was an interestingly I, 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 I looked, strategic race, I suppose. Yeah, I looked back through the episodes the other day and saw that it's called something like "Not Bad for." That sounds about right. Yeah. So you yeah. can listen to that podcast by going back and, and looking out. <laughs> listen to us talk about a mediocre race. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't bad for its usual race. <laughs> Remember that? Uh, Singapore is on the verge of being out of contract and they're apparently in the process of renegotiating that. Um, mm. Likewise with Abu Dhabi, but it kind of sounds like these big circuit changes they're making in Abu Dhabi, he's kind of part of the new deal they're coming up with it's like if you want to be on the mm. calendar and if you want to keep hosting the last race of the season make your track more interesting kind of thing yeah. which is fair enough the other thing to remember is like a lot of these contracts with circuits were were long 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 old multi-year contracts that mm-hmm. were negotiated yeah. during the pre-liberty era so oh, yeah. or the well the, let's just say it the bernie era so mm-hmm. this is now about them getting new deals, getting really, really good value for money from the circuits they go to and trying to make it make Formula One pay better, really, for, mm-hmm. for the stakeholders in Formula One in Liberty Media and for the teams and for everyone. Like getting a better deal that doesn't necessarily favor the same parties that it did in the past. Yeah, totally. Um, or it favors them less heavily, I should uh, say. It, everyone yeah. should, it should be a deal. Everyone should get something out of it. It shouldn't be that anyone you know loses out by hosting a formula one race it should just be that the the benefit of having the race is spread equitably and makes it worth it for mm-hmm. everyone right that's yeah. the best case which, scenario. Which is often not the case in the burning yeah <laughs> exactly here's just a hypothetical for you um in just as a question i guess singapore doesn't get its contract renewed are you bothered nope like do hmm. you miss that it's 
it's it's nice as a thing to look at. Like, oh, isn't it cool that it's lit up and doesn't the city look amazing? I, it's just very rarely an interesting uh, race. Honestly, the most exciting thing I genuinely remember from Singapore is the time that uh, Max Verstappen crashed into Kimi and then went immediately for uh, Sebastian yeah. Vettel. <laughs> well, if you that. When, when Ferrari stated the facts. <laughs> but Max no, Verstappen that, having a crash. I don't believe that for one second. That that incident though is like the most eventful thing I think yeah, I can really, remember yeah. from that circuit. We caught, didn't did was oh. that not that the inaugural the incident episode? It Probably. might well have been, yeah. I actually Crashgate happened there as well, didn't it, Joy? Yes. Yeah, Crashgate was a rough one. That was like the first race they had there, or second like mm. one of the very first I think races it might be the they first did there. one, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I mean, memories of that circuit are generally poor. Yeah, I wouldn't miss it honestly. <laughs> it's like, which is why yeah. I asked the question. I think, for, like from a work perspective, it's just so long. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's such it a long be, like, race. Two hours long sometimes. It's yeah, just, like, routinely, it's a long yeah. old time. Yeah. Um, not much it is. Happening. I don't know. I think there's. I, I've always got a. I know it's not an amazing race, but there is something about that race that does spark my imagination. Like I do I like think. that it's like in the dark i do like that it's a proper night race it's there's definitely something special about it but maybe maybe in a post zanvor era (laughs) then maybe i don't know i think like that's definitely one for the chop now we've had zanvor and zanvor's been was such a looked like such a party yeah i think the the thing for me would be like this is how i was sort of thinking about it is if they didn't renew that contract but wanted something in the region to replace it for that slot in the calendar as in keep the slot replace the base Kuala Lumpur's like yeah I'd love them a few hundred miles back. up the coast yeah. it's not it's not That's far away go back to Malaysia I'd love to like back a, on the and, it, and it's potentially a different time of the year from a weather perspective yeah mm-hmm. so you you hopefully negate that risk of the torrential downpours and stuff that sometimes plague Malaysia a little bit as a, as mm. a venue like just all well, the fact that they logical. Went, they, they used to go there in monsoon season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> that would be. But, but this the would like kind of there. flip that around a little bit and yeah. hopefully alleviate, alleviate that problem and get what is quite a, an interesting circuit back on the calendar. Yeah. I just, just I a think thought. Another mm-hmm. thing with Singapore is like for years and years and years, we were always wondering what would happen if there was ever a wet race there. And then, <laughs> and then, then we just we never got anything but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the things with Singapore, like I do agree with you, Stuart, there is like a certain something special about it, but I feel like there's only space for one like pretty circuit where not much happens on the calendar and I'd much rather have Monaco than Singapore. Yeah, and I think the drivers like Monaco as well because it's a, it is a real challenge. It's like a go-kart track in a Formula 1 car, yeah. effectively. And, you know, the risk is so high that it's a much more challenging. Although, you know, Singapore is a challenge. No, you know, you go and drive Singapore Grand Prix on the Formula One game and it is a bloody hard track to do, especially for a full length Grand Prix, like how they do it. And, you know, when you think you're doing it at home in your living room, your nice comfy living room Mm -hmm. in a nice comfy seat without sort of any (laughs) real temperature difference, these guys are doing it in super, super hot conditions. They, They lose weight in the same way they lose weight in Malaysia just by driving there for yeah. a Grand Prix. And it's at night so, and it's still like hot yeah. enough. It's ridiculous. Tr- yeah. Trust me, if you get the wrong rig set up in your house for racing in sim racing, <laughs> it's like racing in Singapore every time you turn on your PC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trust me. <laughs> Doing laps of Brands Hatch and sweating because it's 35 <laughs> degrees in the room. Oh my God. Well, that's just Britain in the summer these days. Yeah. For like Humid. a week a year. 
Um, um, anyway, we should we should move away from Singapore now. Move <laughs> on. Um, but yeah, that that's about all we know of the calendar. Probably within the next couple of weeks, we'll get something a bit more official. Um, but yeah, I think in conclusion, too many races. Too many races. <laughs> Which sounds silly, like we as a podcast exist because of Formula One. We're here saying that's too much Formula One, but... Yeah, I know. know. I'm really reticent to actually, really actually commit and fully say that. I think it just goes back to what you said, though. Like, you can have too much for a good thing, and I do think it devalues it a little bit. I think that, combined with the fact that we now do what we do and have been doing for the number of years that we have... And obviously, Stu with the job that he has, like so cryptic. It, you know, <laughs> no, no, I'm just meaning in general. Like doing this podcast really highlights how much effort has to yeah. go in for a back-to-back weekend, let yeah, alone yeah, yeah. a triple header. Like we're having That's when it. we do content, we're having to like get content for a review and a preview, and then work out like what we're going to keep, what we're not. Like it's got to be like. Inside that ninety-minute mark, there's there's so much that goes into just doing a ninety-minute podcast a week. Yeah. Well, yeah, I imagine the, imagine exactly. being part of the whole circus permanently, yeah. or like well, in, exactly a, in a it. team from a mechanic point of view. Like it's ridiculous. Well, like even if you just, I've said it, I've said it so many times before. Even just going up to Biggin Hill, down to Biggin Hill, and doing a desk job on a race mm. weekend uh, and being part of it that way, even that's knackering. Because you're just on duty and there's stuff to do the entire time. And it tires everyone out. Like, after triple headers, like, tempers are frayed. I bet. Yeah. Like, and it is, it, get, it gets hectic. And we're not even, like, carting around the world doing exactly, this, yeah. that, and the other at every single yeah. circuit. So think of those guys. Like, it is, we, it, it's super, super hectic. Yeah. We've, we've said it plenty of times, like... It's no wonder that the divorce rate among F1 mechanics is higher than most of the jobs, and this is only going to make it worse, unfortunately, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it just sort of takes over your life, doesn't it? Yeah, bit dark, that, but yeah. Yeah, let's move on. Um, <laughs> quick bit of driver news. As completely expected, Aston Martin have confirmed Vettel and Stroll for next season. Um, good news all around. Um, Literally nothing to say about that, so I'm taking a sip of my wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second Alpha seat is still, Alpha Romeo, I should specify, seat is still uh, up for grabs. Um, the, the list of names associated with that seat seems to grow day by day. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou seems to be emerging as the front runner for that seat now all of a sudden. Um, Which is interesting considering his affiliations. Yeah, he's an Alpine young driver, isn't he still? Yeah. Um, so he's currently second in F2, so his super license is all but guaranteed at this point. Um, he's obviously an attractive driver because, you know, he, he's a quick driver. Like, there's no doubt about that. But also, if they do sign him, he will become the first Chinese Formula One driver, which from a marketing point of view is enormous, especially yeah. as we're due to be going back to China for a Grand Prix next year. I did not realize he would be the first Chinese. Yeah, I F1 believe driver. there has been one driver who did like an FP1 a number of years ago, but there's never been a Chinese race driver. Did not know that. Yeah. Um, Learn something every day. So, yeah, he seems to be the front runner well, now. Just, just, just sorry, there are Chinese race drivers, just not uh, yeah, Chinese F1, 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 F1 drivers. F1 race drivers specifically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to be careful about this stuff, Chris. <laughs> I, was, I was saying F1. Was it not? No, I know you were. Chris, Chris uh, said, "I'd be standing race." <laughs> yeah, he said. He, Chris said, "Chinese race driver." It's like, whoa, now. <laughs> um, 
I mean, of, of the other names like knocking around, I'd probably have him fairly high on my list. Yeah. Um, I mean, the problem with that seat we've said before is that anyone who takes that seat, there's a good chance they're just going to be keeping the seat warm for a couple of years until Teo Pulcher is ready because he's very much like Sauber's next big thing. But yeah. time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, um, we're, we're, we're sort of reaching a point in the driver market, I think, this as this silly season draws to a close, where... A lot of teams have kind of like this has kind of set a lot of teams up for the next few years. It feels like, like yeah, yeah. I feel like next year there's not going to be a ton of movement. Yeah, it I, could be maybe Red Bull might be eyeing another seat at the Alfa Romeo team for one of their younger drivers to because you know Perez. Yes, they've signed him for next year, and he ought to be given the chance to show that he can be the real deal in that car. But they also kind of need to make sure that there's someone ready to obviously Perez is going to be the driver that gets replaced before Verstappen gets replaced Mm. so they do need to be getting people lined up properly for that seat and it's probably about time they were getting people Formula One drives right yeah Mm -hmm. I mean it's a shame after what I'd hoped for him but unless Sonoda has a really good turn of form over the next 18 months I can see Red Bull just pulling their next junior driver into that Alpha Tauri seat alongside Gasly. I mean, but, Yuri Vips is going to move up through the Red Bull program mm, sooner or later, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, the only reason that they wouldn't move Vips, I would guess, is just if he if he doesn't finish F2 as champion next year, for example, yeah. where he's, he's not got a seat. Yeah. If he, if he could retain his seat because of not being champion, they would mm. potentially give him more time there but i mean two seasons there and win it in your second season it's not it's not a bad strike rate is it like that's not no. bad at all so I think, like, they're the probably thing, gonna want to move him i think one thing that's been proven over the last few seasons is that there's a lot to be said for drivers coming in especially recent drivers coming in and hanging out in sort of lower ranked teams like we look at russell like yeah russell's um, just had, had, had a few years and it does take you know, certain drivers takes longer than others, but like Russell's had a few years to really settle into Formula One and to really become the leader of that team from yeah. a driver's perspective. And he's absolutely killed it the entire time. And he's really matured and become, you know, really a, a front running driver, which is what we'd expect him to be next season. Absolutely 100%, I think. And if you look at Norris, Norris joined McLaren when McLaren maybe weren't the great in the in the in their in their what's in their final form, should <laughs> yeah. say. Second and form of evolution. Yeah, it's like the second evolution. And we're still kind of in the second evolution of mm-hmm. McLaren before they reach their ultimate form. But um I'm gonna keep going with that analogy. But <laughs> he again, like Norris has had time to mature and, and make a name for himself inside of Formula One and build a following and and become, you know, this meme lord <laughs> that he is now and that every, and i say that with the greatest respect because he's probably got the one of the bigger f- social followings inside formula one he's got huge devoted fans and he gives a lot back to the audience yeah. and he's kind of had time to mature into that and become a really really approachable really interesting formula one driver and not many other you know you don't really see that on the on the Red Bull side from where I'm sitting. Like, you know, I I don't see Yuki Tsunoda outside of Formula One, really. And maybe that's just because I'm not a Yuki Tsunoda fan in inverted commas. Although I'm not not a fan of him. I'm just not that taken 
by him. I think he's interesting, but I'm not sort of tuning into his social media channels mm, or anything like yeah. that. It also Same, might be by design with Sonoda, to be fair. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, you, then you look back through through the the Red Bull young drivers and Verstappen's always going to have a massive following because he's Max Verstappen and he's just... that They've kind of built a lot of that around him. Mm. Um, Daniel Kvyat, you know, like... Arms out either side. Like it was just, I was never really that bothered about him when he came in. As, as good as he, I mean, he was good when he was for full Red Bull, but they just didn't give him the chance. Well, and he wasn't with that torpedo in Vettel every other race. But then Speaking was that the just Grand because? Prix. Yeah, was that just because he got a bad name for himself because he upset the wrong driver? I think it was a it's a combination, isn't it? Like, yes, he upset the wrong person at the time, but. It happened, what, another two, maybe even three yeah, times? Yeah. Like, okay. it, it was one of those things. That it, it's like the the first evolution of Grosjean. <laughs> Where, when, when Grosjean was first in Formula One, like, he got a reputation for, hit, for hitting people, and mm-hmm. especially in turn one. And then there was the huge crash that he had at Spa. Like, yeah. there was just a reputation that yeah. built up. And I think Kvyat kind of had the same thing. Maldonado had it. Like, Maldonado used to go wheel bashing with a lot of people yeah maldonado basis. was a bit, bit daft though maldonado wasn't he, he was, mm. i think that that's a even different that's a different league again from from kvyat and then you look at sort of the albon thing like albon again interesting driver probably ab- well absolutely 100 percent put into the top team way 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 too soon yeah. i'm so um, to bring it back to sort of the williams side of things now I'm so glad that album's got that seat because he's mm. going to have a chance to just like settle in quietly, get his eye in and, you know, become a real Formula One driver. I don't think album was ever, ever, ever given a chance, no. especially given his teammate, ever given a chance yeah. to really be the best he could be. And I think and- the problem probably is like the speed Verstappen was brought up to the front and how phenomenally well it went. I think a lot of teams, Red Bull included, in fact, Red Bull probably the worst of the bunch actually, tried to do the same with lots of other drivers. And it's happened yeah, up yeah. and down the grid. And, you know, history has proven that Verstappen is very much the exception, not the rule. Yeah. And it feels like Big only time. in the last couple of years, Red Bull have realized this themselves, even though they're kind of the architects of it all. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think it's easy to fall into that trap though, because they had Verstappen as well. Verstappen. They've had Verstappen and they had Vettel. And Vettel again was like a you know mm-hmm. a bit of a prodigy like youngster coming through, and I guess they wanted to, from their perspective, if they're in Formula One for the long term, they're looking at ways of like bringing young drivers in. They they know that like a young driver is gonna capture the imagination of a young audience, and once you get that young mm. audience, they're gonna stick with you for a long, long time. So I mean, it's it is it's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time, isn't it? Like I'm I'm all for fresh young talent coming in to the sport as drivers and going toe-to-toe with like seriously established like long-term competitors all for it but there is always the argument of if you do that too soon you do more harm than you do good Mm -hmm. and i think red bull have been unfortunately a little bit too far on that side of it than they have the bringing up a young young gun to challenge the establishment like don't get me wrong Vettel was really good at it at Red Bull and Verstappen's been amazing at it at Red Bull but they're probably the the only two that they've had out of everyone that they've tried mm. so, so. To, to bring it back to like the original the you know the, the starting point of this of this conversation which is 
who should have the Alfa Romeo seat. I think probably your Yuri Vips sort of drivers, your Red Bull young drivers. Red Bull would do well <laughs> to put a young driver in that seat and let them just like simmer away. Can you imagine on. the point though that Red Bull have two teams and six drivers on the grid? That's <laughs> that's quite a lot of dominance of and control over the grid. When you think about it like that, that it's, it's mighty strategy, isn't it? There's, there's, well, yeah. There's like, a question but I mean, if if you have all the best drivers, you're going to get them race seats, aren't you? If you have all the best drivers, there's a reason why you've got the best drivers, and that's because you've created a team that attracts the best drivers. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Despite everything, <laughs> clearly drivers still think the Red Bull program is worth being part of. Um, yeah. And I would argue that well, Red Bull have destroyed more careers than they've made, but still, but you'd go into surely you go into that relationship with Red Bull knowing that there's like lots of options for you. They race not just in Formula One; they're racing all yeah, kinds of true. categories. So it's a very good family to get into. I'd say arguably better than I would say arguably be a, a better family to get into than Mercedes. Because and yeah, I mean they're going to do a hell of a lot for your profile. They're going to make you look like a much Mm. more interesting driver than maybe you might be <laughs> and to be fair like we we do give red bull a hard time here from time to time but it would have been very easy and i think red bull of a few years ago probably would have just sacked albon off just dumped him after uh mm. they they dished from red bull but you know you've got to respect the fact that they kept him around they found him a dtm seat they had him in the simulator had him involved in the car development and it sounds like they've pushed really hard to get him a seat for next year. So you've got to, you know, take your hat off to the fact yeah. that they, uh, you know, kept the drive around and stuck up and worked yeah, hard for him. You can say the same for Gasly. Gasly, they put yeah. him into Japanese Super Formula and, they, you know, he had a season or two there and did a did a really good job. We were, mm-hmm. we were all excited. I can remember when we were all really, yeah. really excited by the yeah. prospect of Pierre Gasly being a, a Formula One driver. Mm-hmm. Even. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still excited by Gasly being a Formula One driver. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's legit. Oh, boo- young Boo Boo, we love Boo Boo. Shout out to Charlie on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Red Bull, like even this last week, have said like there's still a chance of him getting moved back up to the big team at some point. I still think his future probably lies elsewhere, but maybe. <laughs> Maybe at Alfa Romeo. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> don't know if I'd want to do that. <laughs> um, last bit of news, I guess, before we move on to Russia. Yes. yes. Um, I think it, this uh, this actually happened a couple of weeks ago, and I missed this. Um, F3's final round was supposed to be in America, at Circuit of the Americas. Um, but because of logistical issues, they decided it just wasn't feasible to do. So they've actually moved the final round of F3 to this weekend in Sochi, which means actually for the first time this season, we're getting F1, F2 and F3 all on the same weekend, which Mm. given that they have three races each in F2 and F3 is going to be a packed old uh, schedule at Sochi. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so final round, last three races. Dennis Haug is currently leading by 43 points from Jack Doohan. But 43 points when you have a three-race round is next to nothing, is it? That could very easily change. Uh, um, well, very easy change. It's, you know, it's it takes not four points for the first two races, is it? No. So but, it's, not quite, it's not quite as easily overturnable as it would be, say, in F1, if F1 had three full-point races. It's not. But it's still... Given so, how that championship doable. has flip-flopped this season. Um, yeah. Worth doable. watching anyway. And that is about it for news this week. That means we can do some storylines for this week then, does it not? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Shall I take us through some storylines? Storylines. Like as as, as we head line? into, guys, we haven't even mentioned this yet. Everyone's been really sad. This is the penultimate time we're going to be at Sochi Autodrome. Well, it's the penultimate time Valtteri Bottas can win the Russian <laughs> Grand Prix. Yeah. Well, can win a race. I was say, <laughs> that was harsh. That so was harsh. You were thinking it. You were all thinking it. I mean, I mean no, I'm, I'm the resident Bottas fan, and I was about to say, I would probably argue it's the last time he's going to be able to win the Russian Grand Prix. But but there we go. <laughs> okay. Now, now, now we've all calmed down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some storylines. Um, so, first storyline, are we going to see more wheel-to-wheel racing from Hamilton and Verstappen? Um, obviously, penalty for Verstappen, free place grid penalty. And also, we kind of think he's going to take a uh, new engine, right, this weekend? I suspect, they, I haven't said so yet, but I suspect they might. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you think you're gonna have to do it, which it looks very likely they are going to have to, might as well take it when you've already oh, got a grid penalty. Correct me if I'm being stupid here, but did we not reach a point where the maximum those penalties could reach is ten places for swapping engine bits and what like? I'll be honest, I don't fully because remember the, how the, the podium stopped, penalties go these days. Yeah, okay. Obviously, the, the, back back in the day. I remember, like, for example, Jensen Button getting a 55-place grid penalty for just rebuilding the car completely from scratch. And because they all had to be applied at the same race, they just replaced every single component and got 50-something places deducted. Um, But it was all done at once, so they just started 20th. I think it's the most you can get is a 10-place penalty for a whole new power unit. I'm just double-checking I was pretty sure they capped it. Yeah. So even then, it's 13 places max, I suppose. Um, yeah, I've got a feeling they will. So to answer the question, I suppose that makes it unlikely we're going to see them close to each other. But then again, given yeah. how this season has gone. No, I don't know about who that. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know about that. I think, like, you know, it only takes... We've seen... I mean, we saw it the last race. It only takes a couple of small mistakes for them to both mm-hmm. end up wheel to wheel again. So, well, I mean, well, one, one small mistake and one fairly substantial mistake in the pits, look at to what be fair. happened at Sochi last year, actually. Tell Remember. us what happened yeah. at Sochi last year, Chris. Hamilton, re- re- remind us. Hamilton did a couple of practice starts from a stupid oh. place at the pit exit and got himself a, a penalty, didn't he? That was so silly. Wasn't Very it? silly. Extremely silly. Yeah. So, you know, we could see, we absolutely could see him racing wheel to wheel again you don't know what's going to happen with reliability at this point yeah. in the season we're getting to that point where it's you know you could see a few and we've already seen a mercedes blow up uh, um zamvort verstappen's uh, Ve- oh my god <laughs> vettels <laughs> but and look it's formula one anything can happen um and i've gone away from the episode sheet so i don't know what storylines next <laughs> it's this <laughs> will ricardo's return to form continue I, I think so. I'm, I'm sort of being converted to some of our patrons' opinions when they were saying, what was the prediction that they made that in the remaining races, Ricardo will outscore Norris? Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm being converted to that line of thinking. I do like that. And although, you know, the win was the big thing, like I do think the last couple of races, there were signs that he was really getting on top of things, so... Yeah, I'm really it's been a interested. steady build, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm really interested to see how close Ricardo and Norris are um, this race. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, exciting stuff. And still on the theme of McLaren, will we get Monza McLaren or Zandvoort McLaren? 
because they were pretty terrible at Zandvoort. They, they had a they were different, yeah. different teams. Time. Different they were teams. crazy how different they were. I mean, thinking of this track, is this likely to suit them? They've got a Mercedes engine. It's kind of a power track. Yeah, um, some big old flat out sections. I think we're, we're likely to see Monza. More likely, I, I would lean towards Monza McLaren over that. Yeah, McLaren. there's I'd a agree. lot of. Well, I was going to say there's a lot of kind of slowish point and squirt kind of corners, which maybe would lean more Norris's way than Ricardo's. But then again, you could say the same about sections of Monza, and it didn't seem to slow Ricardo down that much. So, mm. yeah. Hoping for good things. And they really need to kind of make hay while the sun shines here because they took a big old chunk in the constructors' last race, particularly with Ferrari um, sort of yeah. there or thereabouts in recent races. So if they can put yeah. another big old gap between them, that'll be make them look pretty good for third in the constructors. Yeah. And uh, keeping it on the Brit side of things, <laughs> uh, will Williams' point streak continue? Who'd have thunk, like... Four or five races ago, we'd be talking about a Williams point streak. Yeah, I mean they got a Mercedes engine in the back of it again. So I mean they do. A, it is a yeah, it is a Mercedes. Yeah, yeah. That's how yeah. much attention I pay to Williams. <laughs> Probably, I don't know. I, I think they're maybe going to struggle a bit. Like it tends to be a circuit where you don't get many retirements, you don't get a ton of overtakes. So then again, if if Russell yeah. can do his Q three heroics again, that might work in his favour. Well, that's it, and I think yeah. like. They're kind of Williams are really really difficult to track because of that. Like you don't really know going. It's, not, it's certainly not a team you could ever bet on. <laughs> like no, you God, just no. don't know what's going to happen with them. So oh, yeah. I'm I mean, definitely going to be the, the. It makes them a team to watch. It makes them exciting on a Saturday, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And Russell, yeah, Tom, on. Tom, you had a thing. You had a thing. No, I was just going to make a really bad joke about. I've learned that F one in general is not a good thing to bet on. <laughs> That's <laughs> also true. It went great for me <laughs> last <laughs> weekend. Oh. You actually, you, what you actually bet on the F one? Yeah, I, 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 ha- I happened to have like a few pounds in a gambling account, so I stuck like. <laughs> half... It sounds so sinister when you say it. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I, I don't want to mention. I don't want to do free I advertising to have for a anyone. Few pounds oh, my gambling in, account, my in a dirty gambling habit. account. <laughs> I'm not going to give any gambling companies free advertising, but I stuck half of it on Norris to win and half it on Ricardo to win, so it went extremely well for me. Oh wow! What did not bad. I'm going to find out how much you won later. (laughs) (laughs) Time to take just a moment away from this week's episode to talk to you about the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. It includes their new Lawnmower version 4, the waterproof trimmer with advanced skin-safe technology, and it now even comes with a travel lock, meaning no more embarrassing activations in airports and the like. You can get 20% off the package by heading to manscaped.com and using the code BOTG. You will also get free shipping on the whole box. It also includes the nose and ear hair trimmer, known as the Weed Whacker, as well as the Crop Reviver Toner and their Crop Preserver Deodorant. Manscaped are trusted by over 2 million customers worldwide, and that includes the three of us. So remember, if you want to get 20% off the brand new Performance Package 4.0, Head to manscaped.com and use code BOTG. That's manscaped.com and code BOTG. <laughs> well, yeah, you've just totally thrown me there. Um, do you want me to do predictions? That's kind of it, yeah. That's kind of it for predictions. <laughs> for predictions, you mean storylines, but yeah, let's do it. Let's yeah. do predictions. Um, right, okay, we all know what we're going to answer for these questions, unless someone's going to be bold and say something different. So, Chris, I'm just going to put you in as. 
Bottas fastest qualifier and Bottas win. Yeah, bro. Nope. Yeah. No, 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 no. Come on. You're the one Bottas guy here. Bottas. I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. Oh, Bottas yeah? will stick it on pole. Okay. Bottas fastest in Q3. He, do you want to do winner as well while we're at it? Yeah, go on. Uh, he'll lead for the vast majority of the race and Hamilton will be in second and Valtteri. It's James. Oh, you really think they'd be that? God, yeah. he's so oh. bitter, isn't he? Yeah. So in a bitter. in a championship, they did it when Hamilton had like more than a race win ahead a couple of years ago. So in a championship this close, they will definitely ask him to move out. So away. bitter. It doesn't suit you, Chris. It doesn't it's suit you. Um, fact. I'm I'm way less bitter and cynical than Chris, so I'm going double bot. I'm doing it. Russia, I'm going to go... Fa- now, remember, this is fastest in Q3, not necessarily pole position. Mm-hmm. So it's important to think of it that way. So just for the audience yeah. out there, if you're thinking oh, yeah. about if you're thinking about Verstappen's penalty, then that the, the penalty... Am I right? The penalty doesn't factor in... The penalty is the, the factoring nope. after. It's all about who is the fastest in Q3. That's why we word it that way. So... Yeah. Who Even finishes if, number one in Q3 yeah, on, Friday, on Saturday? Regardless, regardless of where he ends up through the three-place penalty and any energy penalties should he take them and so on, it's about who is fastest in, at the end of Q3. But this is you know, a, it's, it's, it's important to mention it because we do have a lot of new listeners this year. And that's true. It's good to it's good for them to know. This is an extremely long-winded way of you saying Verstappen, isn't it? No, I'm gonna actually going to go Hamilton. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> 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 Uh, Hamilton for the win as well, please. Okay, you're going double ham. That's a nice yeah, double ham, spread. Double ham. That's a nice spread between us. Oh, wait, um, it's, it's like Tetris. <laughs> first DNF. Um, Stu, you went last, so you can go first. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> there's a really cruel side of me that says Mazapan in <laughs> his, his first home race. But before you oh. start typing, oh. you calm down. You, you calm those fingers oh. down, those fiery fingers. Um, I it was science last year, and he just went straight up, yeah. oh yeah, directly into the barrier. He was trying to go around into a wall, trying yeah. to go around the escape route bollard well, thing. You, you say trying to go around, I say <laughs> making very little attempt <laughs> to actually like even get his car through the corner in one piece. Um, whew, uh, Raikkonen's back, and he's had two weeks off. Oh, I. I'm going to go Raikkonen. Uh, so you're, you're stealing my usual, I'm going to say Raikkonen until it's Raikkonen. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Does that mean we're the same? No, I'm not doing that. Because um, I'm going to do what you were originally saying, and that's home races count for everything. It's Mazapan. Savage. Absolutely savage. Chris? And, and Netflix are following him this week. Netflix that's following true. this week. Oh, so that's the kiss of death. He's going out first. It's happening. I shouldn't have said that. Chris is going to copy me now. Or it might be Schumacher. They might collide with oh, Schumacher. Yeah, you I was going to go with Schumacher. Yeah, I'm going to go Schumacher. That'll yeah, be the next Schumacher. episode. That is not a bad set of predictions there from <laughs> you two. Yeah. I, I, that's that's been on the card. Those two taking each other out is absolutely 100% on the cards this season yeah. at some point. That is going to happen. It could be this weekend, and one of you will be right. Yeah. In terms of the number of finishers... I think we normally do all right here at Russia, don't it we? It was eight. I so said, look, it was eighteen in twenty eighteen, fifteen yeah. in twenty nineteen, um, eighteen last year. I think that's where my head was going before we even said it a number of times. So I'm going eighteen. Hmm. 
Who wants to go next? Chris, you can go next. Mm, yeah, 18 feels right. I'm going to go 18. Okay. Stu? Nah, it's going to be less than that. Lads. You're both wrong. You're going to go okay. all faithful, aren't you? It, well, it's either going to be 16 or 17. And um, uh, The trend at the moment for me is there are, there are, people are starting to get, especially the guys at the front, everyone's starting to get a little bit sort of elbows out and a bit silly at the moment. <laughs> And I, I, I'm going to say 17. I want to say oh. 16, but I'm going to say 17. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like really extreme. No, no. <laughs> See, you put your like 15 in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I was just trying to edge you in a direction there. <laughs> <laughs> no, 17, I think. I, there's, a, there's a high risk of, of contact at various points through the field yeah, at the moment. I think there will be... I don't think reliability is necessarily going to be the thing. I think it's much more likely being idiots. Yeah, I mean Jeff's getting it in chat. Fifteen for the rest of the season. Just stick on it. <laughs> um, Chris, can you draw us a random driver for this week, please? Can. It is Fernando Alonso. Ooh, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Has he? Because they're ever raced there. There. Yes, he will have. Yes, of course yeah, he, he has. Is, he will have. Hell, I suppose it's, we've been there for a while now, haven't we? Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he raced there the year he had that absolutely We've been there the entire hybrid accident. Hybrid era. Yeah, yeah the entire right, hybrid actually. era. 2016 was the first Russia race, though, right? No, we've Wasn't been there it? way longer than that, 2014. Oh, 2014? Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Oh, he's oh definitely. Goodness. Basically, the Mercs have always won it. It's like a Merc track. Oh, it's... well, traditionally, it's been a Merc track. It's always been Which one of them. Which makes it potentially a Red Bull track this week. Yeah. Well, not not only has Lonzo raced there before, he's raced there in a Ferrari. <laughs> oh wow! Well, we got yeah, that there wrong. There you go. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we can't we can't have a completely encyclopedic knowledge of the sport, can we? No. Especially when we're not getting paid to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Our patrons would beg to differ. <laughs> yeah. you, wow, we came sick there in a McLaren one year. Well, I was about to sort of put it kind of middle to low point and say seventh. So if that helps any of you lot, there you go. The Alpine's not been bad recently, has it? They had a rough yep. time in Bonds, but that's a very specific kind of track. I'm going to go for ninth. Okay. And Stu, you're the last one on this. I think they're going to suffer somewhat at this track. I think that that Renault engine is not the class of the field. Um, I think it is a circuit that requires a decent level of power and, and reliability. Um I am going to go, uh, let's just have a look at Alonso's recent results. We've got a 6th and 8th and 11th in Belgium. I'm going to go 11th. Okay, so that is us. That is us all done. Uh, for those of you listening, if you want to join in, you can head to backofthegrid.com. Uh, if you've not joined us before, still plenty of reasons to do so, because we have prizes for 5 out of 5 in a race weekend, um, and all your races will always count towards the championship. We've got plenty of races left, so it's definitely worth getting involved. Um, yeah, head to backofgood.com and do that. Shoot your inbox. Let's. Do that. Keep me saying now. Stay, stay David Sinner says, apart from the vast difference in times between the top teams and the bottom teams, something that's been bothering me for years is the pay driver issue. How does F1 fix this? Surely teams can afford good rookies. I mean, Haas replacing K-Mag with Mazepin, really. Also, who is the worst pay driver in recent years in your guys opinion maldonado mazepin someone else mm. i suppose the budget cap kind of yeah. goes some way towards it 
Yeah. That was my first instinct, definitely, when I heard that question. Um, budget cap, I think, definitely budget it's, cap. Like, it's it's I weird, though, isn't it? Because the, the thing is, the teams that take pay drivers aren't anywhere near the budget cap. So would yeah. it actually alleviate the problem? That's be. a good point. Maybe like, more, more races and better pay for teams that enter races. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. a better deal for all the teams who participate in the sport and go to every race and cut all their stuff to every race to make Formula One a thing. <laughs> I would, I would also maybe argue, like obviously we've had pay drivers like in decades past that have been like so slow they're in danger to everyone else on the track, and we've not been in that situation mm. for a good number of years now. But I would maybe even argue that it's not even in F one's interest to fix that problem, like. Pay drivers are one of the reasons we have the number of teams on the grid that we do. And I would say if they mm. did something to stop it, then we'd maybe lose a team or two. So it's it's a weird one. Obviously, like in theory, we want to see the 2022 20, whatever best drivers on the grid. But I'd rather have a few of those be tra- pay drivers than only have like 15 or 16 teams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. H- here's my response to this question. Nicky Lauda was a pay driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything else. Other yeah, than that. It's, it's... I think I think this is the thing. Like, I I don't necessarily have a problem with pay drivers providing that they actually bring something to the table. You don't have a problem of... with good pay drivers, is what you're trying to say. Well, yeah, because I mean, not everyone's got the same route into the sport, have they? But if you can, like, kind of buy yourself a seat and like for example a lot of people still have a problem with stroll and i think it's a little harsh stroll's mm-hmm. kind of proven his worth i'm not saying he's like a future world champion but he's far better than other let's refer to them all as pay drivers like he's with the best of what we've had in recent years probably but i mean when you think about it technically speaking george russell's a pay driver because Williams have only put him in that seat because Mercedes are effectively mm-hmm. paying them to yeah. do so. So look at it how you want. The logistics of it is Mercedes are paying Williams to run George Russell. It's it's, it's okay, a weird so definition, isn't it? Yeah. There's a distinct there's a distinction though. There's a distinction between gentleman driver and and pay driver. Then yeah, because a gentleman driver is Will Stevens, who paid to be part of the Lotus team, right? Yeah, I suppose. And even then, I think calling him a gentleman driver is pushing it because he's racing other things and being, you know, maybe I'm be I'm I'm probably being really unfair on Will Stevens there. And if you're listening, Will Stevens, <laughs> like there's there's no doubt he paid for his spot on the grid. But again, the, an awful lot of drivers do. Like, well, let's make it more mm. real then. Let's make it Nicholas Latifi. Let's make it current. Nicholas Latifi, obviously. Probably not going to win a world championship. Definitely comes with a degree of sponsorship money, but only because his dad owns the company that sponsors him. That's the kind of pay driver we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think I think the difference is like, to go back to what Tom was saying about Lance Stroll, yes, Lance Stroll only got his spot on that grid because of the money his family bought. Like, <clears throat> okay, he had success go, go, coming up through the, the junior formulas, here and there but without where he came from he probably would have been on the grid however i think he has since proven um that he deserves a spot on that grid yeah um whereas mazepin who i would put in the same category as he's only on that grid because of the money he brings from his family 
has not even come close to proving his spot on the grid yet, yeah, and he has a long way to go to do it. And I, I, well, in I fact, think, if anything, he's been a bit of a hindrance on the grid. Yes, might say, yeah, so. yeah. And I, I think sort of the that that's the crux of it for me. What Chris is sort of saying there is like it's about the the end performance, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and 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 now I the guess... Russian mafia are all on the way around to our collective <laughs> houses to kneecap us all. Yeah. Um, the other thing I guess to point out though is. Even Mazepin had to earn enough super license points to get into Formula One in the first place. So it's not like you can just turn up with yeah. a million to throw at a seat and say, I want to pay a million to sit in this seat all season. Like, we couldn't do it if we had money behind us. We would have to go through lower formulas and earn Become, super license yeah. points. You'd have to be somewhat adequate. So I think that... I think that, that, yes, there are some people that just can't make that step up to F1. I think he's one of them. But I think that being so harsh on someone like Lance Stroll is is that. It is a little harsh because well, he's had to come through what he's come through, money or not. Like He's, he's yeah. still had to work and winning series and things like yeah. that. I think the thing with Lance Stroll is he was brought up from Formula 3 straight into F1, wasn't he? And he, he I think that was people's gripe with him at the time, me personally. My gripe yeah. with him at the time was, yes, he'd earned enough uh, license points. However, he'd sort of skipped the 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 main the format. Yeah, like the the the, yeah. the proper way to do it in inverted commas. But like, then Verstappen did the same hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, I but think. I, but the, I Verst- do think. Would like, you yeah, argue I... that Verstappen did it on talent though? Verstappen skipped the system on talent compared yeah. to Stroll, who skipped the talent. Then... On, uh, skipped the system on money. But then he had a, a Formula One driver dad to help him through the entire process, didn't he? So and a, a multinational drinks company, <laughs> drinks company. Does does that you know what 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 even is a pay driver these days? They're all this, pay this, drivers. This question has just bred questions. They're all <laughs> pay drivers. Fact. <laughs> I mean, what driver on that grid actually earns a salary other than maybe Vettel and Hamilton and Alonso? Like, oh no, they, who, no, they do. They, some of them are on a mean? lot less than others, but like they do for sure all earn a salary. Whoever get who, someone's paying those drivers yeah, to be on that grid. Yeah. Like it's the balance of how much money they're bringing in versus how much they take back out. I suppose that varies. Yeah. I think like the, the the thing you touched on a moment ago was the it's the steps to Formula One and yeah. the and the and the way the super super license point system works. I think. Yes, you do need to be a very high standard to even get into Formula One. But I think another thing, when you see these guys come through and they go through all those steps, it's testament to just how good everyone on the Formula One grid is. Mm -hmm. Because it shows you just how amazing a driver you have to be to even get the most out of the car. And then, you know, when you look at, um, when you look at, say, Roman Grosjean this weekend at Indy, um, battled his way up to third place at. Laguna Seca it's amazing watch the highlights it's a really really good race well the end of the race is really good 91 laps as well short track Laguna Seca Hmm. Um, Roman Grosjean didn't set the world on fire in Formula 1 and yet he can go to another racing series and I think it's fair to say Roman Roman Grosjean is killing it in IndyCar oh he's he's had such an impressive rookie season and to me that that sh- that reinforces my point. That shows you how good a driver you have to be to be successful in Formula yeah. One, to be and even I, like on par in Formula One. Yeah, and I think that 
sort of highlights where someone like Mazepin is the reason he is where he is. It's not just that he has the slowest car because he's like seconds behind his teammate yeah. a, a lot of the it's time. Not, it's, it's, you, you can't just <clears throat> be good enough to get the super license points yeah. to be successful in Formula 1. You have to be so much better than good enough to be successful in Formula 1. Mm-hmm. True. That's And that is why you see these gulfs between your pay drivers in inverted commas and mm. your world champions. And I think yeah. to kind of go back to the point Tom was making earlier, like... The, 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 as you say, like in F1, it can be sometimes hard to tell the skill of the drivers because the cars make such a difference. I think that's why coming up through the feeder series and not skipping steps is so important because yeah. oh, it's yeah, much 100%. easier to tell who's good and who's not in F2, F3 and whatever. And it's maybe a flaw in the super license point system in that if you look at someone like Mazepin, like, okay, he came, he's got like second in... GP3 in 2018, he was third in F3 Asia in 2019, but he just kind of did a lot of stuff to top up the points over the last few years. Like he was kind of middling in enough things to earn enough points, and that's maybe a flaw in the super license system. But yeah, I think maybe, I mean, I wouldn't go messing with the super license point system too much because I think. It needs to it still needs to be accessible so that teams yeah. can stay float yeah, and totally. have and actually have pay drivers because pay drivers are a function of Formula One. They mm-hmm. serve to keep some of the teams going, yeah. and you as, as a, it's, it's just a sad fact. You kind of need them, and hopefully the budget cap will, will. The aim of the budget cap is to fix some of that, and the aim of the redistribution of wealth within Formula One for for for, for different levels of success in Formula One is to alleviate some of that. I think the, the way you address it over time, if if it's something that needs to be addressed, is probably a slight tweak to the the point the, the super license point system. I think it probably needs to be an ever so slight bit harder to get enough super license points to get into Formula mm-hmm. One. Yeah, I mean, j- just for perspective, right? In terms of sort of age, experience, and then output in Formula One, like sort of just natural talent aside. It's kind of me fanboying for thirty seconds, so sorry. But Lando Norris is twenty-one years old. He's not. He's like still pretty young in terms of a Formula One driver, even if they have been starting younger in recent times. The reason I'm going to bring him up as an example is because I have literally watched that guy from Ginetta, yeah, juniors, which is like fourteen-year-olds in little sports cars, British Formula Championship, Formula Four, Formula Three, Formula Two. And then finally, Formula One. Yeah. And he has built his racecraft by racing against hundreds, probably, of different drivers yeah. throughout like five or six years, gradually taking a step up in Formula every single time, and along the way, winning most of those championships to then come to a point where he finished second in that Formula Two season behind Russell. And they both, rightly so, were promoted up into Formula One thereafter. Yeah. And to me, that's like, that's the proper way to do it. I'm not saying everybody has to go through that process, but surely when you look at Lando Norris and his form in Formula One since moving to the sport and and his gradual progression within Formula One is to where he was in his first season a few years ago to where he is now been on the brink of winning races, it shows you that natural evolution comes if you take the steps properly and measure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there'll always be an exception to the rule, like a Verstappen or what whatever. But generally speaking, I think he's a great example of like the right way to do it. And for the record, 
he's technically a pay driver as well because his dad put a lot of money his into his early career. Richest people in Britain. Exactly, to yeah. get him to where he was. Yeah. So, it, and, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Norris is technically a pay driver. But uh, yeah, I think, well, that brings it back to the super license points. I think it's too, mm. it's probably too easy for for less good drivers to... Because there's definitely drivers out there who are better than Nikita Mazapan who don't oh, drive in Formula 1. I think yeah. that, that, and that's what so. people's issue is. So yeah. it should be hard enough that Nikita Mazapan can't... Uh, mm. People's argument... Uh, this is not necessarily my argument, but people's argument is it shouldn't be so easy for someone who doesn't, who isn't as good as the next best person to get into yeah. Formula 1 just by virtue of mm-hmm. having lots and lots of money. Well, I mean, Because it's can... sport and people want to see the best sportsmen in the best sport, right? You can turn up in Formula 2 for a few years with some money and be okay for three seasons and get enough points to get in Formula 1. You don't have to finish yeah. in any, you don't have to finish on any podiums, yeah. you don't have to win any races. You can just turn up for three seasons and over that time earn enough points. Yeah. And maybe that's what needs tweaking a little bit is just how quite how many points are awarded mm-hmm. in those feeder series. And I'm not saying change it massively, but I mean, knocking everything down by, like, say, five points down the board or something, or, or scale that down, would probably that'd be, it, that'd be it would be it would be very interesting to see how many people like Mazapan and so on wouldn't have actually made the cut with little tweaks. Yeah, like that. Mm. I think another factor in all this as well. And it kind of goes back to something we were discussing earlier. Is like with the likes of Hamilton and Verstappen and. I guess like Leclerc and Norris maybe even, we've sort of become accustomed to young drivers coming in and just being like superstars day one. And again, they are exceptions. And I think you have to remember that most drivers need a bit of time in the sport to get up to speed and find their feet. Like, yes, there's always going to be these superstars who just hit the ground running and, you know, they're in a podium on the first race kind of thing. But that's like... They're extreme versions of drivers, kind of thing, and you need to you need to allow some time for drivers to get up to speed and not judge drivers immediately. Which is not me saying that I think Maspin does deserve to be there and we should give him a year to <clears throat> find his feet, but he's also pretty much guaranteed to be there for. Well, he's definitely there next year, probably. Yeah, for I mean, a few well, years you know, it's it's not really. This isn't a let's all have a go at Nikita Mazepan session. No. This is just a pay driver. But he's thing, the most so. obvious example of it, isn't he? In, 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 yeah, on the current it, grid. Probably, yeah. yeah. But I think we've probably covered that one now. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I the think we have. <laughs> that's been the most eventful part yeah. of the show. Yeah. On a lighter note, Guy <laughs> Thompson asks, if Red Bull beat Mercedes at the next race, will they win the championship? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's perfect that you read that one out. <laughs> Answer it. It's almost by design. Um... <laughs> I'm glad they asked. You know what? I'm glad he asked. Because I don't tracks. know now. I don't know now. I, I think. I think as the season's gone on, it has proved so far to be too close to call. And you reckon? Now I'm. I'm back. I, I keep flip flopping between Red Bull. If they win the next race, they will win the season, and it's wide open. And I'm kind of feeling like it's pretty wide open at the moment. So yeah. And I, I think we're going to a bit of a Mercedes track as well. So, which then begs the question: If Red Bull, do, <laughs> if if Red Bull win at a Mercedes track, will they win the championship? You know, but so will I, they? I think this second half of the season is more is a recent in recent years. Hamilton has always set the world on fire in the second half of the season. So, yeah. 
and Red Bull have known that, which is why we've had this whole conversation. The whole reason Red Bull were so tetchy at Silverstone was because they knew that was their opportunity to build enough of a gap to make the second half of the season more difficult for Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, because he and, always ramps it up massively, doesn't he, towards yeah. the end. So This is the most non-committal answer to the question I've <laughs> ever heard. Well, I'll get to an answer. Um, I think, I, think ha- I actually genuinely in my heart of hearts think Hamilton will win it this weekend. And... I think he'll for the remainder of the season it's going to be a lot more difficult for Red Bull to beat Mercedes. That's mm. what, that's that's my answer. Yeah, I can see it being difficult for them, but it is another one. The thing is, taking points off them at a track like this is the kind of thing that they need to do to mount a proper title fight. They yeah. need to be able to be competitive yeah. against them and preferably beat them at a track like this. So if they can, then yeah, the the. I mean, the fight is still on till the end of the season for me. However, the main problem that they're going to have is that Verstappen is at least taking three places, if not more, depending on what they decide to do engine-wise. So I think that kind of throws a spanner in the works to the whole question anyway. (laughs) Mercedes are going to have to do the same thing. That Mercedes are going to have to do a new engine. Go on, Chris, you go. Have you got got one or jump? Uh, No, no, no. Um, I've just got more to add. No, go for it. Okay, so let's look at what races we have coming up. Let's and let's just really yeah. quickly say who do you think is going to win that race? I think that's a good experiment right. and a good are way we, of doing it. Are we talking just of, basically? Are we are we just taking it, everyone else out of the equation? Basically saying Hamilton or Verstappen? Yeah. Who will finish ahead, Hamilton yeah. or Verstappen? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Russia coming up now. Hamilton should be Hamilton. Ahead. Should be Hamilton, right? Turkey. Uh, Max, I think lean towards Hamilton. I think Hamilton as well. I think Turkey's more of a Hamilton track than it is of a Verstappen mm. track. Um, USA Hamilton yeah you'd, you'd lean towards hard, Hamilton hard to look past him there he's got a peck of yeah. a record of that track then you got Mexico probably Verstappen, Verstappen. Brazil Verstappen probably Verstappen based on recent years yeah probably Verstappen so that's two to Verstappen three to Hamilton mm-hmm. um, then race 20 is probably Qatar so that's a bit of an unknown Saudi Arabia yeah. also an unknown Abu Dhabi Hamilton you would say uh, so, but I then mean, Verstappen won it last, last year, year, so yeah. Yeah. really hard one to call that. But Hamilton had taken his... He did what he always does and took his foot off the gas because he won the championship. True. Abu Dhabi, double DNF, no one will, neither of them will finish. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And it's just won by half a point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that kind of answers the question. That is essentially saying we don't know. Like it's, it's too, it's too close. But in in the in the most sensible possible way, we don't yeah. know because it's too close to call. Because it we've is, just really done is. a whole thing about why we don't know. So it, it makes it a legitimate answer. <laughs> it's it's a legit answer. Cool. Shall I read the next question? Is that we don't know how to answer that one? Then yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Michelle says, "Do you think Max and Lewis have learned that it's not worth both of them losing out when they race so hard?" Or would they rather keep taking the chance uh, that maybe one of uh, one of the two of them will only be... Ru- Sorry, I'm reading that wrong. That only the other person will be ruined if they're taking the chance and gaining a huge advantage in a championship. Well, they're at 1-1 one, one for that one, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, the tit for tat. Um, I, think, I think in the grand scheme of things, Hamilton will be the quickest to adopt that philosophy of I would rather finish behind you and finish than not finish at all um and like fight to the next race i think out of the two of them hamilton's more likely to go down that that mentality 
But I think if Max keeps up the aggression, Hamilton will kind of feel obliged to match him. Like, Yeah. If anything, after Monza, I think Hamilton's maybe, in, in a similar situation, Hamilton's maybe going to be even more decisive in defence and not even. Because, mm. you yeah. know, without going back into... Um, yeah, let's the Monza be careful. Let's like, not just go too far. I think our general conclusion was that Hamilton left enough of a gap there to invite Verstappen in, and I think if anything, Hamilton will have learned from that that, a- that. any gap is too big a gap with Verstappen. You need to yeah. very decisively be like, no, you are not coming through. Here. Yeah, well, hmm. you, you need to do. You need to fight fire with fire, don't you? Because kind that's of, what yeah. Verstappen does. He, can't, he yeah. just doesn't leave the room in the first place, yeah. and he'll, and he'll make it make it impossible for you to even have your wheels on the track. So it's served him pretty well up to this point. Do. So yeah, I, I think you're completely yeah. right there. And Hamilton's done the same thing in the past. This, yeah, you know, let's, yeah. let's not let's not mess around here. Like if you look back at sort of the Hamilton uh Rosberg championship yeah. where Rosberg won the championship incidentally, there were plenty of times there where Hamilton was like some aggressive absolutely defending. decisive and very aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think maybe like we haven't seen that from Hamilton since then until this season. Not and even no, at the last nobody's race, nobody's really challenged him since then. That's why, realistically, yeah, not to that level, like not ev- to that, yeah, not not with that consistency. Yeah, even yeah. like early in the season when Bottas was there or thereabouts on points, I think Hamilton knew that over a season he had the legs on him and didn't need to fight in those yeah. individual moments. Um, I, I think... And plus they're teammates as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the difference between Rosberg being his teammate and Bottas being his teammate is he knew that the team would always side with him no matter what. Mm-hmm. There was uh, there was an element that Rosberg was there first. Rosberg yeah. was the German driver in the German brand. And so, like, there were a lot of things that made it a very 50-50 thing for Mercedes. And they were sort of, as long as one of them wins, we're not actually fussed who it is. It's yeah. an equal thing. Whereas once Bottas joined, it was 100% from day one. It's Hamilton followed by Valtteri mm. in terms of priority. As, as much as I think, I think he always knew that. And I think Valtteri always knew that to a degree, yeah. which is why he's never particularly fought it. As he's much just as, taken the opportunities he can when he can. As much as Mercedes would always say they give them equal opportunities, the day Rosberg left, that became Hamilton's team, without a doubt. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, next, uh, Udit Kishore, will Ferrari and Mercedes eye the VW Red Bull tie-up as an opportunity to get rules beneficial to themselves? Ferrari will probably want an increased budget cap. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, this, isn't it? Because, so for a bit of context, I guess, it, it's it's been no secret for a while that VW have been involved in all of the talks about the next engine regulations, which yeah. are due, I think, in 2024. Five is it um, potentially pushed to twenty twenty six? Yeah, um, and there's there's rumblings that with Red Bull obviously taking over the manufacturing and running of the Honda engines as of next season, that VW as a way into a sport will kind of join them on this new endeavor and use that as VW's way into the sport rather than VW sort of turn up and try and build a team themselves from scratch or like start an engine department from scratch, um, which is interesting. And I think I think another interesting factor in all this is the fact that Albon has got the Williams seat given that Joss Capito used to be part of the VW rally team, which was sponsored yeah. by Red Bull. So he's kind of this pre-existing link between the two companies even though he doesn't actually work for either company at the moment so yeah 
yeah, it's it's an interesting one. This um, as for like Ferrari Mercedes used an opportunity. If anything, I feel like F one deciding on the new rules are going to be more likely to lean towards what new manufacturers would want that would get them yeah. into the sport than keeping the existing ones happy. I mean, the the important bit of this is as the VW Red Bull link is still un, for the foreseeable a hypothetical. Yeah, which means that in terms of the the way that the meetings generally seem to work, from my understanding, it currently is the existing engine suppliers, which is Mercedes, Ferrari, Renault, and Red Bull slash Honda powertrains, all have like a vote or, or however you want to put it, like a say, the two prospective new suppliers, which is Porsche and VW, both have an input a say, and then the FIA and Formula One. So mm. technically speaking, a Red Bull and VW vote, even if they agreed to vote together for something, would equal out a Ferrari and Mercedes team up anyway. And it would actually fall <laughs> that there's more power in sort of Renault's hands, realistically, yeah. because they'd be kind of the one in the middle, or or Porsche. power broker, the yeah. power broker yeah. of Formula One. So it's it's an interesting one, but I mean, technically speaking, they would count as sort of two entities within that meeting for for, for the foreseeable. So mm-hmm. and and if everything kind of went nowhere and nobody could agree on anything, F one will just draft up their own rules of their own volition, yeah, and, and nobody will yeah. benefit. And so it's kind of in the team's interest to come to a middle ground agreement anyway because if not f1 and the fia will just throw a rule book at them that none of them want and that's that's no good for anybody uh, well, I, don't, I don't think no no i don't think i don't think f1 and the fia would throw a rule book at the whole lot well, uh, that no okay, one wants no. i think i think red bull i think uh, i think formula one are more likely to throw a rule book that favors um new perspective te- prospective teams yeah than the incumbent teams. They, they'll do what they think is for the good of the sport, not the, for the good of the existing teams. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. probably a better way of putting it. That's what, what you're saying. trying to say, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. And I think with, you know, obviously we've had Audi and Porsche pulling out of Formula E this season. Like that's a big pointer towards them putting their motorsport uh, stuff in a new direction. And F1 makes a lot of sense for it. Um, as, it it's a weird one because the VW group as a whole are leaning pretty heavily towards electrification so pulling out of formula e feels a bit weird in a lot of ways but i think they and it's the same reason mercedes are pulling out in a year's time is that because of the way formula e is set up they're not really getting much in the way of development yeah. out of being there anymore um yeah well they've they've had a, <laughs> we said this again we've said this in the past that they've had all of they've they've bled it dry for all the development it can give them yeah. kind of yeah for the moment that's you know they can't really go any further with it and i think there's an opportunity there for Formula One to see if if they've got anything about them, they'll see that and go, okay, well, why don't we open up the floor to mm-hmm. as, as we've again as we've said on the past and here, why don't we open up the floor to all different kinds of powertrains and give them, you know, if they can do something, then they've got less of an aero disadvantage over other cars. Like do something, some balance of power thing that means that yeah. new air, new developing technology developers, I guess, can be competitive with, yeah. with existing teams. And, it, you know, it only takes a hydrogen engine that can do a whole race 
a hydrogen fuel engine that 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 can win a race and do a whole race without having to do a pit stop can do the fuel for the whole time which again is not that difficult these days in formula one because we already do it petrol um if they can do that then everyone will switch over to a new engine technology and it'll be hectic and then mm-hmm. and then the technology just gets developed and developed and developed yeah. and it works its way down to road cards and the world's a better place yeah I think if this VW Red Bull thing does end up happening, I wouldn't be surprised if Williams also end up switching to those powertrains and Williams almost become a third Red Bull team. Like, you know, they'd maybe have one driver that they pick and one driver, the young driver that Red Bull yeah. drop in there kind of thing. The they're, on the, which, they're on the way. They're well, on the way. We've though. kind of already got that, haven't we? Um, they're just missing yeah. the engine at this point. Yeah. It's interesting, interesting stuff though. And it's it's nice to have other manufacturers yeah. around you know, around the conversation because we've had yeah. the same ones for quite a while now. We've got Honda leaving, Renault only supplying one team these days. Another thing worth saying just on this before we move on to the next one, another thing worth saying is like the car industry now is is really changing quite quickly and it's changing from a car industry to almost a tech industry mm-hmm. as yeah. As yeah. electric cars become more and more prevalent, very much so. Uh, if you look in, you know, if you look inside a traditional car, or I say traditional car, you know, a, a combustion engine car, and compare that to a an electric, electrically powered car, usually the electric cars have a lot more screens in them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from more what tech. I've told, yeah, loads yeah. of tech, loads of gadgets and gizmos compared to. And saying that, I'm coming from you know the perspective of someone drives a bloody gt86 so it's got no tech in it whatsoever it's just a sports car but they there's less for formula one in the and there's less for formula e in the in the in the tech industry which is where car manufacturing is slowly going so there's an argument to say that formula one and motor racing in general is going to become a different thing to the car yeah. production world with without becoming an ev podcast which i'd be into but I think yeah. I think part of that is the fact that a lot of manufacturers these days, particularly like legacy car manufacturers getting into the EV world, is that the EVs they make, they aim at the top spec kind of thing. They 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 mm. there's not many EVs at the moment that are kind of uh, at the what you would call an affordable car level, like you know, I've, I've yeah. recently got a VW ID three, which is like in many ways a golf equivalent, but the base spec is priced at like a top level golf kind of thing. It's not competing with like the base model golf that again, like new cars aren't super affordable things, but they're more affordable to most people. And in time, that will change, and I think they will start to look a bit more like a normal car and less like a computer on wheels, but... Yeah. I'd be yeah. interested to know, just like, I'm, I'm, we might not get it now, but I mean, if you're listening out there and you found sending a message about it, just on the topic that you're mentioning there, I've, I've seen a lot of American adverts recently due to being watching the NFL, and one that keeps coming up is the new um, Ford F-150 Lightning, mm-hmm. which is the <laughs> yeah. fully electric F-150, and that is still angled at exactly the same customer and F-150 yeah. has always been angled at. So I'd be really interested to hear and just, just find out for my own personal interest, really, what what like the impression is on that and what the price comparisons are because yeah. we don't get stuff like that over here in the UK. So it would be really interesting to see Man. where Ford are angling it's, a vehicle like that. It's An electric cool chuck would be 
legit. The like, crazy, I love that. It it looks amazing. It looks like an yeah. awesome, awesome. The car. crazy thing as well is that like it's the same size and proportions as a Ford F one fifty. But yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah, pretty much. but where normally you'd open the bonnet up and there's an engine under there, the whole front of the car lifts up and it's just a second enormous storage space at the front as well yeah. as the truck bed. Like they're so cool. That's cool. And there's just a company think called. How, like, um, Rivian, the, uh, like a new electric car company called Rivian, and one of the first things they're making is a pickup truck as well. And that has these things where, like, there's a panel kind of in the side where you can open a little door on either side, and it's one just kind of tunnel that goes through the whole width of the car where you can put like long things in sideways. And, That's like, cool. That's and, very cool. And like, as an add on, you can have like a barbecue that attaches into that and stuff like that. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, so cool. We are sailing even closer to the winds of becoming a Formula <laughs> E podcast. Um, I would like uh, to be fair, like a an electric truck would be the best off-roader you could get. Oh, I'd be so cool. you, you, just, oh, yeah. you could just do the talk. You could have however, however much or little talk you want at any particular point in time on any wheel, yeah. which is the yeah. ultimate the mm-hmm. ultimate combination for off-roading. So not that I've ever done any off-roading. I've just been watching Donut hmm. Media's uh, <laughs> uh, Hilo, which is nearly finished. There's only one episode left. I really want to go camping after the most recent episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, we should do the last one. Um, last one. It has become clear this year. This is from jo- Jacob Fraser. It has become clear this year that there aren't enough seats in Formula One besides waiting for 2026 and possibly VW joining for two, but for plus two seats. Is there any chance that Formula One can add a third seat to each team? I don't think Formula One needs a third seat for each team. That's I'm going like- to say that straight away. That's like a really nice question to end on because it kind of like wraps up everything we've talked about this episode, which <laughs> yeah, is like yeah. beautiful. Pay drivers, like space on the grid, VW in there. Um, and going back to what we're saying with the pay drivers and the budget cap, third seat is all well and good, but a lot of teams in that grid can only afford to run two cars. And if, if only like Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull have the third cars, that makes things weird. Like yeah. I don't That'd know because no, they just get would. so many constructors points. Like you'd have to yeah. have the third, their third car on the road, or it'd have to be an aggregate score or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you'd have or to like, only score. The, so. You'd only score the first two or something. Like, but yeah. that means you can use the third work, car yeah. just to like get in other teams' ways. And yeah, yeah, and you'd you'd either yeah. need to have every team have three cars or no teams have three cars. And I just don't think most teams it's like could afford it. No, it's, it's just feasible. not feasible. Unfortunately, I'd rather have more teams. Yeah, I think I'd rather have more teams than more seats in the existing teams. Hundred percent, I'm yeah. definitely more more for that. Yeah, I do. Mi- I do. As much as the the they didn't end well, um, I, I sort of have little moments where I miss having. Um, I can't even think what they were called when they first joined. It was Virgin slash Marussia slash Manor. Yeah, uh, Hispania slash HRT slash whatever yeah. else they were Lotus. called. And Lotus slash Caterham mm-hmm. slash Lotus Racing slash whatever else they were called. <laughs> yeah. But like throughout the three years that we had those teams, it was nice having that full of a grid. Like I still look at sort of uh, some of the F2 and F3 races and think oh, it'd be nice to have that many cars on the F1 grid. Yeah. Um, but it would be, I agree, it would be better to do it and maintain the two team, uh, sorry, two driver, two driver philosophy. Yeah. I think yeah. like, you know, you've got, I mean, if you if you're gonna do that, you're gonna you're creating ten more seats in Formula One. That's five more teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
that would be a heck of a grid. Like yeah, a thirty car awesome. grid would be pretty hectic. I mean, I you've think... watched the start of Formula Two and Formula Three races. Yeah. There's loads of drivers. Yeah. On I think I'm right in saying the F1 rules officially only allow twenty six cars. But you are I'm, correct. That I am correct. certain if they got to twenty six and another viable team turned up, they'd very quickly find a way to change that rule. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't. Yeah. That's a, just just paperwork, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. Yeah. So who who would you have? Who who would be the what? Let's finish on this. Who would oh. be the one team you would bring in to Formula One? Mm. Who would, it doesn't have to be a car manufacturer. It could be a race team from another series. It could be absolutely anything. I think like I, I'd love to see like a Carlin or someone do well. Sorry to interrupt you there, Chris. That's right. Someone someone like that, like a Carlin, a Prima, someone that's very well established these days in the likes of F two, F three, and beyond, and has been proven at nurturing young drivers and stuff. To see a team like that get a shot at the big time would be awesome. But I think deep down, I know that none of the team managers in those teams, like Trevor Carlin wouldn't want to do F1. He's happy doing what he's doing. He's very happy. Yeah, he looks very happy. Being very good at it. Yeah, and they are very good at what they do. And and it, it would be very nice to see them have the opportunity but I don't think it's going to happen. Well, you see so many of them bankrupt themselves by moving up. To exactly. Exactly, yeah. Um, I'd like to see Jaguar. I think to see Jaguar, yeah. Aston Martin and McLaren all on the same grid would be legit. Well, I was just about cool. to say as well, if you're going to have one for the VW group, we've had that conversation before, let's stick Bentley on there as well and just have like half the field in British <laughs> Racing Green. It, so there basically, it's just going to turn into Blanche Pan or whatever, <laughs> yeah. it's referred, whatever it's <laughs> sponsored by these or days. Or Goodwood Revival. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So there you have it. That's your that's your three extra teams on the grid: Carlin, Jaguar, and, and, and Bentley. Oh, and Bentley. 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 Awesome. <laughs> what? Bentley. <laughs> yeah. Um, if anyone has any suggestions for what they want to see on the grid, you can do so on social media. Find us at Back of the Grid F1 on Twitter, at Back of the Grid on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, even, and just search for Back of the Grid on Facebook. Get in touch with us those ways. You can also head to backofthegrid.com where there's a contact us form. Uh, you can get in touch that way. And remember to head to backofthegrid.com where you can also register for Predictions League. Um, lastly, thank you very much to all our Patreons. Thanks to those of you who join us live too. It's been always fun reading your messages while we're chatting away. If you want to be part of that, you can head to patreon.com slash backofthegrid uh, where there's different options available, but all will always get you access to the Discord and the ability to sort of chat live with us while we're recording. So head there if you want some more info for that. That is it for this week. So enjoy the Russian Grand Prix and watching Valtteri Bottas win. Um, we will see <laughs> you next week to talk about how Valtteri Bottas won. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You know Bottas is going out turn one now. I've just made this yeah, probably, of it all yeah, the episode. Absolutely 100%. <laughs>